0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com citizens. I'm so excited to be here um, and to share from God's Word with you. Uh, I'm bummed that I lost in that shooting competition, but I don't think those hoops were regulation. I think there' something was, something was fishy about that. I think I was set up, but uh, open your Bibles, guys, with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be looking tonight at Matthew 1. Uh, Use your phone or tablet or Bible. Use the Bible in the chairs in front of you, however you want to get there. Uh, Because as Noah said, um, I really want you guys to hear tonight, not ultimately from me, but I want you to hear from God. And I think that's possible because I believe that this book, the Bible, is actually God's living word. That it's not just words God said a long time ago and some people wrote down, but it's actually what he still says to his people today. And so I'm praying for you, I'm praying for myself, that as this is read, as it's explained, as it's applied to our lives, that we will actually hear from God tonight. And so open your Bibles with me, and let me pray as we get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this, uh, these few moments where we get to open your word, the Bible. I do ask God that you would help us to hear from you that what you've said here in your word, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, really impress it upon our hearts. Um, Things maybe we've never heard before or things that we've heard a lot, but we just need uh, the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened, opened, to see them afresh, to be blown away by the truths uh, once again, the truth of your word, the truth of the gospel. And so God, help us tonight. Uh, We're desperate for your help. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message tonight is His Name. His Name. I wanted to throw up a picture for you of my family. Um, I have a family. Uh, I have a wife and some children. Uh, is there a picture up there? Oh, there is. Awesome. So those are my uh, my peeps. Uh, my wife Andrea. We've been married uh, 14 years, um, and we have three kids. Peyton uh, on the left there is our oldest. She's 10. Titus in the middle. He's uh, 8. And Marty, uh, on the other side, he's five. And uh, it's pretty fun uh, when you have kids to get to pick their names. Because it's like, it's totally up to you. Like, whatever you want to call this human being who's going to come into the world, you can call them that. And so, uh, we talked a lot about the names that we wanted to, to give them. And, and honestly, we chose names that we really just kind of liked how they sounded, right? I know that's not very special. Like, there wasn't any really significance or meaning to them. We just they were good names, and we really liked them. Um, but some people choose names um, because of the actual meaning of that name. Like, just by a show of hands, do you know what your name means, right? Like, I know for me, Ben, Benjamin, um, regardless of what we saw earlier, it doesn't mean brick. I know I saw a lot of bricks, but it actually means uh, son of the right hand, It's just kind of epic, son of the right hand. Uh, I did look up the names of my kids, what it means. Peyton, our daughter, her name means warrior's estate or village, which is kind of cool, I guess. Um, Titus, our son, his name means giant, which is hilarious because he's like just a little guy. He's just really small. So that one's not really working out uh, so far. Uh, And then Martin, uh, our youngest, his name means warrior from Mars, Warrior from Mars, which is pretty epic, right? Warrior from Mars. Um, But I bring this up because names are really significant, and they're really significant in the Bible. The Bible is full of names. Uh, We are uh, told numerous times about all these different characters, all these different people, and their names. And the names we're told in the Bible uh, reveal to us really significant things about The people who those names represent. And that's what we're going to see in our passage this morning or this evening. Sorry, I usually preach in the mornings. Um, We're going to see the significance of names. And in this uh, first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, we find Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ, right? And that's pretty fitting because it's Christmas time, right? The birth of Jesus Christ is what Christmas is all about. It's so easy to be distracted this time of year by so many different things going on, even good things, cookies and presents and decorations and lights, and and to miss what this is actually all about. It's about Jesus, that he was born. Uh, It's not about vengeance, like the Grinch said when Cindy Lou Who asked him, what's Christmas all about? Do you remember that scene? Vengeance. And then he changes his tune. Presence. It's not about vengeance or presents It's about Jesus. Christmas is all about the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago. And what we're going to see tonight is that this baby was the most important baby, the most important person uh, in human history. And we learn why that is the case when we see the names of this baby that are in our passage. We see what the parents of this baby are, are told to name him. And so I'm going to read the passage. I want you to follow along. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read verses 18 through 25. So go ahead and follow along as I read out loud. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's word. The first name we see here in our passage that I want to talk about is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, the baby to be born would be God. The baby to be born would be God. Uh, Verse 18 here gives us the intro uh, to what this section is all about. You see there in verse 18, he says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And so Matthew's telling us, here's what happened when Jesus was born. And we learn that the mother of Jesus, Mary, was betrothed, to a man named Joseph. Now that's kind of a an old-fashioned sounding word, right? Betrothed to someone. But what it means in this text is that they were engaged. Right? We use that term in our culture before you get married, you get engaged to be married. But in this culture, although it means engagement, it was actually more permanent than even engagements are in our day. Right if if someone is engaged in our day there's still the possibility that they might break it off right before they actually kind of seal the deal and get married but in this day when people were betrothed when they were engaged to break it off would be equivalent to divorce and so the fact that they were betrothed they were engaged they were already committed this was going to be a marriage and nothing was going to change that but this leads to what we see in our passage, which is an initially awkward and confusing situation. Matthew tells us that before they came together, meaning before Mary and Joseph got married and slept together, before they had sex, Mary became pregnant. Pregnant. Now imagine what Joseph must have been thinking and feeling when you first heard this. This, this woman that he's about to marry, he finds out that she's pregnant, but he knows that they have not consummated their marriage. They have not been together as husband and wife for her to become pregnant. And so he's thinking, what? What's the most obvious explanation? She's been unfaithful. She's cheated on me. And so the text tells us that Joseph was a, a He was a just man, and so he wanted to divorce her, but he was going to do it quietly. He didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to spread uh, rumors or slander her or anything. He was just going to divorce her quietly because the only reasonable explanation in his mind is that Mary has been unfaithful. But that was not the reality, was it? Mary had not been unfaithful. Look at what it says uh, in verse 20 with me again. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph thinks that she's been unfaithful, but then he has a dream where an angel appears to him and says, No, she has not been unfaithful to you, Joseph. Instead, the baby in her womb was from the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Now you might hear that and think, That's, that sounds crazy. Like what, what the heck does it mean for a baby to be conceived by the Holy Spirit? You might be thinking, right, you know, the only logical, scientific, rational thing is that, you know, women can only get pregnant if they have sexual relations. So what is this whole talk going on here in this passage? And you'd be right to think that, Naturally speaking, what's going on in this passage would be impossible, but what we have to understand is that what's going on here is not just natural, it's supernatural. God is behind it. God is behind it. God is doing something miraculous in and through this young Jewish virgin, Mary. In fact... God had promised to do this many, many years before. Around 700 years before this happened, through the prophet Isaiah, God promised that a baby would be born of a virgin. And we see that in our passage in verses 22 and 23. Look at what Matthew tells us. He says, all this took place, so this virgin being pregnant, having a baby, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What Matthew is saying here is that's what's happening, this miraculous thing with the Virgin Mary and and this baby that she's going to have. All of this God promised long ago. But it gets even better you might think, you know, it's one of the most amazing things to ever hear that a virgin is going to have a baby, but it gets even better. What we see here is that the baby that would be born to this virgin, to Mary, would not just be merely a human baby, but would be God himself. Right? That's what it says in verse 23. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The baby who would be born would be God. Now, I know if, if any of you have grown up in the church and you've heard the Christmas story, you know, so many times, uh, you might just be like, yeah, I know, Virgin Mary, you know, Jesus was God. He was born as a baby. And you might just kind of brush it off. But think for a second, if that's really true, and I believe it is, how amazing is that? That God became a baby that God took on human flesh, that God entered into this world as a baby. You see, the baby that Mary would give birth to would be fully human. And that's why it says in our passage that he would come from the line of David. He would would come from a, a human lineage. He had human relatives He'd be the son of David, but he would also be the son of God. God the son in human flesh. He would be born of the Virgin Mary, but also conceived from God the Holy Spirit. Do you understand how this makes Jesus completely and utterly unique? There's no one who has ever been or ever will be like Jesus. Fully God and fully man. A lot of people get confused about this. What does it mean that Jesus is human and divine, God and man? A lot of people get confused about this, especially when they they start to think of Jesus kind of the way we think about superheroes. Some people think that the fact that Jesus is God and man is that Jesus is kind of like Superman. That when he was on this earth, he, he appeared as a man, right? Clark Kent. You know Superman? Like Clark Kent didn't actually exist. It was kind of just like a disguise. So Jesus just appeared to be a man, but really he was God. He was Superman, right? They think that's how it worked, but that's not actually how the the nature of Jesus works. Some people think that Jesus was kind of like Hulk, right? That uh, sometimes he was acting as just a mere man, right? Bruce Banner. And sometimes he would act as god and that's when you turn into the hulk right and so that's how this whole thing works sometimes he would be a man sometimes he'd be god but never both at the same time but that's not actually who jesus was either some people think jesus was like thor you know what thor is thor is a, a demigod right like in the marvel universe so he's not a god but he descends from gods but he's greater than humans so he's kind of in the middle and some people think that's just how jesus is that Jesus was created by God, and so he's greater than humans, but he's not quite God. He's kind of somewhere in the middle. He's like Thor. That's not who Jesus is either. Some people think Jesus is like Spider-Man. Who's Spider-Man, right? He's he's half spider, half man. And some people think, yeah, Jesus was half man, half God. 50-50. A little bit of both. But that's not who Jesus is either. See, all of these superheroes... They might be good stories, but if we kind of start to to look at Jesus in these sort of ways that are similar to these superheroes and their characters, we miss who Jesus actually is. That Jesus is, he was and is fully man and fully God all the time. All the time. 100% God, 100% man. Not 50 50, not sometimes man, sometimes God. Not somewhere in between God and man. No, he is fully man and fully God all the time. And that's what Matthew is telling us here about the birth of Christ that we celebrate on Christmas. That God came to earth and took on human nature, put on human flesh. And from that point on, Jesus was fully God and fully man. We see this in another one of the Gospels, John. John 1.1 and 14 says, The Word, speaking of Jesus, was God. So the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God taking on flesh and dwelling among us on earth, other human beings. The baby born in the manger who would grow to become Jesus of Nazareth was fully human yet fully divine. And so the best way to describe Jesus is as the God-man. The God-man. Do you realize that about Jesus? Do you realize why he is utterly unique, why there's no one like him, why he is the true God and the true savior of the world? He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a historical figure. He's not just what's maybe depicted in movies and TV shows about him or the Bible. He is God who took on human flesh. And even right now, this very moment, he sits at the right hand of the Father, still fully God and still fully man. And he'll be that way forever. If you want to think in theological terms, this doctrine that I'm talking about and that we see in our passage is called the incarnation. Incarnation. You know that word uh, carne? Anyone like carne asada, right? Meat. Same kind of root word. Incarnation. He took on flesh. Meet God incarnated, taking on a human nature. Friends, this is an incredible mystery that should lead us to awe and wonder and praise to Jesus. There never has and there never will be another one like him. I want to say it again. It's so easy because you might be like me. I've been in the church since I was a baby. I grew up going to church multiple times per week. I went to Christian school, went to Christian college. I've been a pastor since I was 21 years old. So my whole adult life. So I've been around this. I've heard the Jesus Christmas story thousands of times, right? Right. But, friends, think about how amazing this is that 2,000 years ago, on this very planet that we're on right now, God left heaven, God the Son, and He was born as a baby. That when we sing about Him, like we just did a few moments ago, we're singing about Jesus, the God man who actually walked this earth, and He's still alive today. Have you ever held a baby? They're they're so precious and, and cute and cuddly. God was one of those that first Christmas. Still fully God, but fully human. He was Emmanuel, God with us. That's why he had that name. But the question is, why? Why? It is absolutely incredible that God was born as a baby, that Jesus was God. But why? Why would God take on human flesh? Why would he come? Was Christmas just about God, just kind of visiting Earth just for kicks? Or was there a reason that he chose to, uh, to come? And the answer to that is found in the other name for this baby that we read in our passage, and that's the name Jesus. Jesus, the baby to be born would be Savior. Look at verse 21 with me again. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And then look at verse 25. It says that Joseph knew her not until she had given birth to his son and he called his name Jesus. And so Emmanuel, the one who is God with us, God taking on human flesh will also be called, not just Emmanuel, but Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus, do you know what it means? It's a, it means in Hebrew, it would be pronounced Yeshua, Yeshua, and it means Yahweh, which is God's name, it revealed in the Old Testament, Yahweh is salvation, Or the Lord saves. And so that's what Jesus means. God saves. God saves. That's why he was to be called Jesus. Because he is God who came to save. But the question is save from what? Well, to save us from sin. Our sin and the penalty that it deserves. Do you understand that? Uh, what this book is, the Bible, it can kind of be confusing sometimes because it's actually not one book. It's actually 66 books. Did you know that? All different types of genre. There's stories and history. There's poems. There's wisdom. There's uh, gospels. There's letters. There's all sorts of different things. 66 different books. But what's amazing is that those 66 books come together and they tell one story, right? It can be confusing because we see the Old Testament and we're like, well, that's an old story. And then there's the New Testament and that's a different story. But really, if you read all of it, you see that this is one story. And it's one story of what God is doing to save sinful human beings like you and like me, to bring us back to himself. And the hero of the story is is Jesus being born so that he could die for us. You see, the beginning of the story tells us that God created us to be in relationship with him, but instead of loving him and trusting him and enjoying him and obeying him, we've rebelled against him. Sin is not just sins, right? Sin is not just the bad things we do. Like, yeah, sometimes we tell lies. Sometimes we have lustful thoughts. Sometimes we're mean to people. No, Uh, those are the fruit of a, a root of sin in our hearts, which at its core is rebellion against God. That we don't acknowledge that God, you are God and I am not that you are in charge and I am to follow you. Instead, we shake our fist at God and we say, no, I want to be God. I want to be in charge. I don't need you. I don't trust you. And I'm not going to obey you. And that betrayal, that rebellion against God, that is at the heart of our sin. And the Bible tells us that what we deserve for that is death. We deserve death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, which is separation from God forever because we've rebelled against him. That's what we deserve. And the reality is that there's only one way to avoid that death, to avoid that separation from God because of our sin. The one way is is Jesus. You see, the Bible reveals to us that not only does God have judgment for sin, but he's also merciful and gracious and compassionate and loving. And he does not desire that we would die in our sins and be punished for our sins. But instead, he desires to save us from that. And so how did he do that? By coming for us. By coming for us. That's what Christmas is all about. That's why Jesus was born in the manger. So that he could grow into a man who would die on the cross. Do you know that? The reason Christmas is significant is because of Good Friday and Easter. Jesus would not die and rise again if he was never born. And the reason he was born is so that he could die and rise again to save sinners like you and like me. God came to rescue us. Because apart from him dying in our place, taking the penalty that our sin deserves upon himself, we have no hope of being saved. We will be the ones who have to bear that punishment ourselves. I shared with you earlier how no superhero can be compared to Jesus, right? Jesus is the true superhero because he is the only one who could actually save, right? Every superhero story is about superheroes saving people from something else, right? They come in, they swoop in, and they save the day. Well, Jesus is the true superhero because he's the only one who could actually save us from our sin. And he's the only one who could actually do this because he is the God-man. The reason that Jesus had to be a man is because he was going to be our substitute. And if he is going to be a substitute for us and we are humans, then he had to be human to be our substitute, to take our place by dying on the cross. But he also had to be fully God because if he's going to absorb the full weight of sin, the sin of the whole world in himself, if he's going to pay that full price, he had to be fully God. And so if he wasn't fully man, he couldn't be our substitute. If he wasn't fully God, he couldn't pay the full price. But the good news is he is fully God, he is fully man, and therefore he is the only Savior. He's the only Savior. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Guys, this is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about God coming to save us. That's what it's all about. When you lay your head on the pillow tonight, and maybe you're thinking about citizens and what was shared, and you're thinking about all the good times, this is the thing I hope you remember from anything I said. Christmas is about God coming to save us, to save you, because you're a sinner who needs a Savior And Jesus loved you enough to come and offer you rescue, offer you salvation. And so what does this mean tonight for you? What does this mean tonight for you? Well, I would ask you, have you received this salvation? What Jesus did is not just automatic. It doesn't just cover everybody no matter how they respond to him or what they think of him. No, the Bible is really clear. I'll give you one example. John 1.12 To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so how do you become a child of God? How do you be forgiven of all your sin and saved and have eternal life? It's by believing in Jesus. It's in receiving him. Receiving what he did for you. And the Bible calls this faith. Faith. Receiving Jesus and what he has done. I brought this present up here because obviously it's Christmas time. All of us probably are going to have some gatherings with family and friends where there's going to be presents under a tree. Some of us are going to give gifts and receive gifts, right? But we all know how this works when, when you give someone a gift, right? So like you buy the gift, you wrap the gift, you put a tag on it and you put the person's name, who it's, who it's to, who it's from. And you are extending that to them, right? You wake up Christmas morning and you say, here you go. I got this for you. You're holding it out to them. But what needs to happen for it to actually be theirs? I mean, you are giving it to them. You've written their name on it. You purchased it for them. You are offering it to them. But it's not really theirs until they take it and receive it and open it. And the gospel is that Jesus came to save us from our sins. And that offer, that gift of salvation is held out to you. And the thing that you need to do to make it yours is to receive it by faith. By admitting, I am a sinner. I do deserve judgment for my sin. But I believe Jesus, the God-man, came and paid the price for my sin. And so I believe that. I received that by faith. And the Bible says when you do that, you have been given the right to be a child of God. Some people think to be saved, they have to start living a better life. they got to be nicer. they got to clean their life up. they got to fix themselves so that they can be presentable to God. But, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you come in faith and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I believe you died to save me, if you do that and receive that gift, you are a child of God now and forever. And so all eyes on me for just a second. Have you done that? Have you done that? Because I'll give you a little uh, behind-the-scenes knowledge. The whole reason Noah and Jocelyn and all your leaders are here, the whole reason the church opens the building on Wednesday night for citizens and, and loves you guys and wants you to have fun and likes to be with you is because they want you to receive this gift They want you to know Jesus and to follow him because it really is not just what Christmas is all about. It's what life, it's what the universe is all about. Jesus. And so do you know him? If you have questions, if you have doubts, if you don't know, if you just want to talk to someone about it, go talk to your leaders. That's why they're here. Go talk to Noah. Go talk to your small group leader. Go talk to you can talk to me if you want, but there they actually know you. Go talk to them. Ask questions. And then for those of you who have already received this gift, is it reflected in how you live your life? How are you going to live during this Christmas season? Is it going to be about Jesus or is it going to be about you? Because if this is really true, if Christmas is about God coming to save us, then the only response that makes any sense in the world is to praise and adore and live for and serve Jesus, Emmanuel, who came to save us. Is that what your life is about? Christmas is about God coming to save us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you, you, Jesus, although you have always been God the Son, you came and you took on human flesh so that you could be our Savior. You are Emmanuel. You are Jesus. You are the only one who can actually save. And you've done it. And now you hold out that offer of salvation by your grace to us as a gift. And I would just pray, God, if there's any student in the room, uh, who has not received that gift. Maybe they've heard the gospel many times. Maybe they're hearing it tonight for the first time. God, open their hearts to receive that gift and experience new life. And for all of us, God, who have received that gift, I pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to live in light of that, that we would honor you and serve you and worship you with our lives because of the amazing gift you've given us in Jesus. Keep our eyes focused on him this Christmas season and what it's really all about. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.